family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This right here is Tim and Friends live for this June 14th, 2022, fresh off of Game 5, NBA Finals, another Jays win, and I'll tell you why, despite some significant breaking news today, the Jays still got a good shot at the AL East crown, and how Andrew Wiggins turned the series in favor of the Golden State Warriors, but it's also media day at the Stanley Cup Final, and because of it, Jesse Rubinoff, a, a fluid day here at Tim and Friends. Just things are moving. Yeah, I, you got to like how the NHL is making it into a, a thing. I mean, they have for a while now. Media Day is a thing, but the, you like the people media always day talk thing? about Super Bowl Media Day. That's like the crown jewel of sports, and if the NHL can develop Media Day into this. The crown jewel of sports. Well, it's the crown jewel of media days in sports. It's a better way to do it. This is so fluid today, yeah. and such a crown jewel of media days has the NHL promised us. Victor Hedman, star defenseman That's pretty cool. of the Tampa Bay Lightning, who is scheduled to join us in about 10 minutes' time. Now, to be fair, we talked to Cal McCarr earlier today. And he was around 60 to 90 minutes late. So we, we don't really know, but such is live TV, which sometimes can be a wonderful confluence of time, talent, and storytelling. And other times, about as ridiculous as this workout class. I don't know if this is a workout class. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is it a is it a are dance like, class? A workout class? What is it? Are you burning calories if you have the the bungee holding you up like that? Like what, what's what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to find out the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever oh, makes it feel God. like you're getting a sweat on, you know? I that guess. is. So, can we see that? I know I'm asking uh, director Matt Taylor uh, for a little much here. Oh, so good. <laughs> How do we get that in the studio? I would love to. But like, that looks fun. Like honestly, it looks it looks fun. But like, do you explain? Like, like that's cool. That's that's fun. Hey Sarah, do you want to go to this class with me? Yeah. Do you not know what it's called? <laughs> no, I have no idea. I got it from Levitar. Bungie class, bro. I'll be honest. I got it from Levitar. If you know, right into the show. <laughs> Tell us, Bungie <laughs> class. Oh god. Yeah. All right. So we are thinking uh, Hedman in about five minutes or 25 minutes. However, the TV gods treat us today. Uh, If he becomes available, we will burst into first things first and do first things first second. Fair enough. Victor Hedman. I get it. Got it good. And since you understood, let's make it good. Rodney Hood. Wow. Wow. The lefty. It all rhymed. The lefty. It all rhymed. Uh, We have some breaking news. In the hockey world. Speaking we have a lot of breaking news. We have day. Jay's breaking news about Hyunjin Ryu that we're going to get to. Yeah, we and did, we have yeah, we hockey breaking news as well. Yeah. Uh, why don't we just let uh, Kevin Weeks, who tweeted this out, why don't we just let oh, him friend of the pre- show. present it to us. Okay, friend of the show, Kevin Weeks. Here NHL Network ESPN. Here he is. What's going on, you NHL fans? Outside the Tampa Bay Lightning dressing room, Stanley Cup final, breaking news. Kev. Breaking news. Vegas Golden Knights are hiring... <laughs> 
Bruce Cassidy as their new head coach. Oh, I repeat, look, look Vegas this. Golden Knights are hiring Bruce Cassidy as their head coach. <laughs> What's going on? I like how he walks back out and then goes back into the curtain. Well, that's his thing now. He's breaking news wherever the hell he may be. I, I love it. And if it is in a tunnel surrounded by curtains, friend of the show, Kevin Weeks, is going to break that damn news. Very, very well done. So Thank Bruce Cassidy, the Golden Knights, that's a good coach. That's a good team. However, the Golden Knights keep switching people makes me a little nervous about what their culture will be and whether or not people will be pissed off at what their culture actually is mm -hmm. versus what it should be. Seems like they get pretty antsy pretty quickly for a team that is Correct. so new into the National Hockey League. Like that run to the Stanley Cup final in their first year spoiled them and yeah. maybe sort of ruined the culture a little bit. We'll see if Bruce Cassidy can make it better. But breaking news, as broken by Kevin Weeks in a tunnel surrounded by a curtain. <laughs> well done. Bruce Cassidy to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, from uh, the Golden Knights to the Golden State Warriors. He wasn't without a job for One long. away from another NBA title. Not at all. Like just no, a few days. Um, the Warriors beat the Celtics 104-94 at home last night. Steph Curry went 0-9 for 9 from 3, but still managed 16 points and 8 assists, while Canadian Andrew Wiggins took over. He led the way with a team high 26 points, adding 13 boards. Steph has been MVP caliber so far in these finals. But last night we tweeted this out from our Tim and Friends account. The Undertaker looming in the background. If the Warriors win it, can Wiggins actually win finals MVP? This, this, are we in on the Steph slander? There's, I think there's some tongue-in-cheek in that tweet, right? Yeah, he's just playing well and... People are just, I guess, fanning the flames a, a little bit, but there's, there's no chance, right? Let's talk for a second about Andrew Wiggins because I think we're diverting too quickly to the finals MVP. Yep. The series isn't even over. The series is 3-2. Andrew Wiggins has been unbelievable in the last two games and after eight seasons in the NBA and enough Andrew Wiggins slander out there, myself included, I didn't know what Andrew Wiggins was going to become, but if you check the tape, if you check the receipts about the trade to Golden State, I thought it was a good move for him because he's never wanted to be the man, though capable of being that man, as we saw last night. What, what impresses me most about what Andrew Wiggins has done there, and listen, there were some who thought that the all-star nod was a bit of a joke on the voting system. There were some who thought... Ah, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, he may revert to the Minnesota Timberwolves, Andrew Wiggins. But he has been unbelievable. And ever since the Golden State Warriors realized that they weren't going to be able to win this series without rebounding the ball. They were in Game 3, they were minus 16 on the glass, minus 9 on the offensive glass. And since then, Andrew Wiggins, along with his defense, has provided 29 rebounds in two games for the Golden State Warriors. So the offense we all kind of sort of knew was mm -hmm. there from jump, from Huntington prep, from first overall pick. But the defense and the ability to make himself impactful when not scoring is what impresses me the most about the, the player that Wiggins has become. And the entire fourth quarter, which he was very good in, mm -hmm was about Andrew, like Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and Mike Breen talked about Andrew Wiggins the entire fourth quarter. And it just goes to show you one thing that we've been talking about a lot on this show. And that is 
when it comes to basketball, while a lot of the hot takers give you singular talent after singular talent after singular talent, the champions have a bunch of people who can contribute at the right time. Andrew Wiggins as your lead man, you're the Minnesota Timberwolves. Andrew Wiggins as your third or fourth option, you are one win away from being NBA champions. And I think it, I think that's the moral of this story, though I don't know how many people will take that moral south of the border. Well, the frustration for the longest time was that because he was, was a first overall pick, there was the expectation that he should be the man. But once you can get over that but, mentally yeah. and accept that that's not who he has to be, then he can be a contributor. I'm really glad you mentioned the defense because we, we've talked and hyped the, the Celtics defense up a lot. But the Golden State Warriors defense was the second best during the regular season. And Wiggins, who played a massive role in it last night, you now look at what the Celtics have done in their three losses, 88 points, 94 points, 97 points. Right. So suddenly the Warriors defense has become a major storyline in this series and certainly helped last night when Steph Curry was, was not at his best, I thought. You know who we had that conversation with? Matt Bonner early in this series, and he's worked in the past with Ime Udoka, head coach of the Boston Celtics. He's going to join us a little bit later on. And the way I framed this NBA Finals was we've got two great defenses, and I believe that the Warriors' offense is better than the Boston Celtics' offense. Yeah. And Bonner disagreed with me. And after Game 3, I was leaning towards what Matt Bonner was saying to me. It'll be interesting to see what he says. After this game five, because Steph has a wonderful game in game four. Andrew Wiggins uh, fills the gap that was left by Steph's tough performance last night. And listen, like I get all the hot takers out there saying, oh, did Andrew Wiggins, did another role player steal Steph's finals MVP? No. Not even close. It's not no. even close. The guy is still pretty damn close yeah. to averaging 35 and 5 on 40% shooting, excuse me, 47% shooting in the NBA finals. As you saw from the Bet Rivers odds, most people still believe Steph Curry will be the MVP of these finals if the Golden State Warriors win. I agree with that right now. Jesse, do you agree with that right now? I, get the, I think he could lay another egg and Wiggins could have another good game and he'd still probably win it. That's how good he's, he was through the first four games of the series. Can I give you a super stat or a meaningless sure. number? Sure, yeah, of course. Super stat, meaningless number. The Warriors are now 5-1 and one in these playoffs when Curry is not their leading scorer. Is that a super stat or a meaningless number? That's a, that's a super stat. And that's it's championship a, DNA is right. what that is. Right. Like, that's what that screams to me. Like, we, ta- we sat here yesterday and said, what do the Warriors need to do to, to really get over the hump here in the series? And that's how mm-hmm. other people contribute in the game last night. And that's exactly what Draymond was back to being Draymond, making good decisions right around his regular season averages finally, 8-6-6 six, and six last night. Clay Thompson finally showed some life. I know he hasn't been the same player couple of really tough leg injuries, but he seems to be turning a bit of a corner. Jordan Poole, they were all better last night, and then Wiggins. So when you look at, at how good the Warriors have been over the years, what has really separated them is in the biggest moments, they have had contributions from everybody, and that's what they had again last night. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was, I was looking up some of the numbers earlier today on averaging 35-5 and five in the NBA Finals, and literally as I try and home through it mm-hmm. through the thousands of notes that I have in front of me and all the emails that I have in my notes. <laughs> literally, uh, literally thousands. It, it is like the best of the best. It is LeBron James. It is Michael Jordan. It, it is 
it is only the best of the best, and he's pretty damn close to being there. So for all the Steph slander out there, uh, don't worry. Chill a little bit yeah. on that. He's still <laughs> yeah. going to be NBA Finals yeah. MVP if, in fact, they end up winning the championship. All right, we mentioned that this was NHL Media Day and that at, at the blink of an eye we could turn the corner and end up talking to one of the best players in the NHL, and that's exactly what we're doing nice. right now as we are joined by the Lightning Star defenseman, Victor Hedman from NHL Media Day. Hey, listen, I, I know, Victor, this is going to be a pain-in-the-ass day with uh, filled with talking to pain-in-the-asses like me, but thank you very much for doing this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, is, is handling something like this uh, with ease something you get from going to three straight finals or are just make you kind of more tired of the car wash that you're in right now, the fact that you're in your third straight finals? <laughs> No, I think this is different compared to the last year, obviously, with uh, with COVID. So this is the first time really we're doing it uh, at this magnitude. So I think it's great. It means that, uh, you know, we're trending in the right direction when it comes to COVID. And, uh, you know, we know the, there's only two teams left and all eyes are going to be at these games. So, uh, no, it's great to see everyone and people we haven't seen in a long time. So, uh, yes, great. A little excitement back in the air. I love it. So, so with all this talk about a three-peat out there, have you guys been able to think about it, maybe even use it as motivation, or have you kind of pushed it to the background and just take it game by game? Well, you do simple math. Obviously, we know that if you win again, you win three in a row. So yeah. we, we know that. And, you know, you want to win. That's the bottom line. But I think right now, where we are right now in our – you know, thought process is the game tomorrow, and that's the bottom line. And I think that's what we learned a lot throughout the years is that you got to stay in the moment. You got to, you can't look back and change what's happened in the past, and you can't look too far ahead. So, bottom line is we're focusing on the game tomorrow, and uh, you know we're super excited about the opportunity, obviously, to to, to win another Stanley Cup. And um, you know, but to get there, you got to get through. You know, the Colorado Avalanche, and you know, we're looking forward to a very tough series. Yeah, this is going. I mean, listen, from the outside looking in, it looks like two wonderful teams uh, going toe to toe with some great players on the ice. I just wonder, and I, I completely understand that you're focused on game one, but does the historical aspect ever sink in? I mean, like, if you guys go three for three, we're talking about just the greats. Like, the Islanders, the hat, the Oilers never won three in a row. In baseball, you got to go to the Yankees at the turn of the millennium. In basketball, in the NBA, it's like Shaq, Kobe, Lakers, the last to go three in a row. Like, do you ever let that history sink in, even in off days or maybe before the playoffs start? Yeah, obviously. I mean, it's it's uh, like I said, it's very rare to have this opportunity and uh, you know to put yourself on the cusp of, of history, but. Like I said, I'm I'm boring probably for you guys, but you know it's it's one game at a time. But you know, make no mistake, we want to win that trophy just as bad as we've had in the in the past too. So uh, we're super excited, but uh, we know we got a big big test ahead of us and a big you know, a big time opponent who's been uh, you know has been flying through the playoffs. So uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a handful for us, but we're super excited about that uh, that challenge. It's, it's not boring. It's the truth, and, and I completely understand. I read all the time about trying to stay in the moment so I don't get too far ahead of myself and too far behind myself. But game one will be um, your 66th playoff game over the last three seasons. Like, that, that's a number that some guys don't get to in a career. What does playing in a number like that mean to you? I mean, besides that you're a pretty, good, pretty damn good team here. No, it means that you're... 
you're going deep in the playoffs, and that's what we want to do as a hockey player. This, I mean, this is the moment. So you grew up, you know, playing in the streets, and you know, growing up playing. You want to win the Stanley Cup. You want to play playoff hockey. You want to play this meaningful games. You're the one that's, you know, obviously scored the big goals. But you know, for us, we we are super proud of obviously what we accomplished in the past two years and what we've accomplished so far in these playoffs. But uh, you know, there's uh, one more step, and there's one more team, you know, obviously standing in our way. So. We're looking forward to, like I said before, to, to a great challenge against a, uh, a world-class team. A lot of hardcore hockey fans have been talking about the matchup between you and McKinnon, and even maybe more have talked about uh, the matchup between you and Makar. I, I know the comparison talk is tough, and I'm sure you've got to see him a little bit on tape over the last little while. We talked to Makar about an hour ago, and he said like he watched tape of you when he was younger. In fact, he watched tape of you this year and was in awe of what you're able to do. What are your thoughts on one of the best young defensemen in the game in Kale McCarr? No, I mean, his, his talent is out of this world. Um, you know, I don't think it too much, took too much for my playbook, to be honest with you. The way he skates and the way he can change his angle, his edge work, um, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous player. He's uh, obviously one of the top defensemen in this league and you know, he's, he's, uh, he's driving that team from the back end, you know, getting up in place and, you know, looking at the playoffs, you know, has gone on, you know, he plays even more on the on the penalty kill as well and, you know, blocking shot, shots and being physical. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's tra- obviously trending towards being one of the, you know, one of the best defensemen uh, to ever play this game uh, with the way he's playing right now. So uh, it's going to be a great challenge for us, and we're looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, they're in the final for a reason, but obviously Kale is a, it's a big reason uh, they're here. I know to be a pro you have to have confidence in your game. I also know from talking to you over the last five minutes that you're a game-to-game guy. Do you ever even think of the comparison of the best defenseman in the league? Because other people are talking about it right now. <laughs> I mean, you can compare and contrast as much as you want. You know, I don't think, you know, if you just look at me and Kale, I don't think there's, you know, I think we're two different different types of players. But, um, you know, nevertheless, we, we want to win. And, you know, you've got to be at your best to, to win in this league. And, you know, we probably play the game a little bit different. But, uh, you know, we're, uh, we want to be the best players out there. And that's the bottom line. We, we try to beat it every night. We're not, we know we're not going to. You know, maybe be that every night, but you got to go out there and, and, you know, play the best hockey of your life at, at this time of the year. So that's what I'm looking forward to uh, going into tomorrow's game and, you know, help my team win games. I know you guys have done a lot of this without Braden Point, but how big would it be to get him back in the lineup? Well, you put a world-class player in your lineup, you're obviously going to be very happy. So, uh, you know, he's trending in the right direction, obviously, and it's very, you know, it's a big confidence boost for us to to see him out there, you know, practicing with us and and taking reps. So, uh, you know, when and if he comes back, we're obviously going to welcome him with open arms, and uh, you know, you plug in uh, another world class player into our offense, we're uh, obviously, uh, you know, very very happy about that. All right, a couple more before I let you go. I thought Kucherov put it best when he was talking about Andre Vasilevsky, and he said number one bull something. In fact, we, we made a button about it on the show. Number one bull <laughs> So, But after the numbers, there you go. The, the numbers <laughs> after the losses, the numbers in elimination games, some are talking like top five, even top three of all time. What makes Vasi so good in your eyes? No, he's just a competitor. He's uh, 
arguably the best goal in the world and has been for a very long time in my opinion but uh, you know he's just so competitive he's no days off uh, in his book you know he's just ready to go to work every each and every day and you know, it's going to give us a chance to win every game. And uh, we tried to make the job easy for him, obviously, uh, you know, seeing pucks and, you know, keeping them to the outside. But there's going to be breakdowns. There's going to be great eight chances against, and he's going to give us a good chance of, you know, making those saves. And like I said, the bigger the game, the better he plays. So it's been a tremendous run he's on, and, you know, we'll keep that going. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, yeah, he's just phenomenal. And like I said, it's not enough, uh, you know, you can you can say you know a lot of stuff, but I don't think I think everything has been said about him. He's uh, like you said, he's one of the best all time, and uh, you know he's uh, far from done. He's still young, so uh, yeah, still trying to get better. All right, last one for you. Obviously, uh, you know clearing space in front of him, letting him see pucks. Uh, that's it's one thing, but actually doing it another. You're facing one of the most dynamic offenses in the league. Uh, they're putting up 4.64 goals per game. It's like a half a goal better than anyone else in the postseason. Power play running at about 30% and averaging over 40 shots a game. What in your mind is the key to slowing down the Colorado Avalanche enough so that you guys can win the third straight? No, we're, we just got to make sure, you know, puck management, I think, is going to be huge, obviously. Uh, they're very good in transition. Um, you know, like you said, they're, you know, high-flying team and, you know, not only us are forwards, but they're back in as well. They're very, you know, eager to get up in the play. So if you turn pucks over and they get all my rushes, you know, it's going to be a tough series for us. So puck management and then obviously staying out of the box. Like I said, they got a really good power play. And, you know, if we can stay out of the box uh, like we did at the end there against, uh, you know, the Rangers, uh, you know, that's going to solve a lot. But uh, at the end of the day, we're just excited to get going. We don't focus too much on stats and stuff like that. Yes, excited to get, uh, get started here and, uh, you know, facing a great team, obviously. But... Uh, just excited to, to play in the Stanley Cup Finals once again. Hey, listen, I know it's a long day and a bit of a circus behind you right now, but we really appreciate you taking some time and talking and wish you the best of luck starting tomorrow. Thanks for doing this, Victor. Appreciate that, guys. Thank you. All right, there is uh, Victor Hedman, one of the best in the game. And is it fair, Jesse, to have that conversation? Because he's right. It is kind of apples to oranges to talk about what Victor Hedman does really well and what Cal McCarr does really well. But in the end, they're both defensemen, and we know that people are going to have the who's the best defenseman conversation, and those are two of the absolute best. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the two of them, like their all-around games are both remarkable. I think McCarr does certain things offensively that, that Hedman can't do, but Hedman probably does some things defensively, physically, that Kill McCarr can't yeah. do. So then it comes down to what's your what's your preference when you're looking at the two of them, and that is, I think, in the eye of the beholder, yeah. if you're evaluating the two of those guys. But uh, pretty good flex to have uh, Kill McCarr and Victor Hedman on the show. Yeah. So our, I think uh, producer Thomas, that we're going to play the Kale McCarr tomorrow on the show. Yeah, we're going to play that one tomorrow. And I talked to McCarr about Hedman, and tomorrow we'll reveal what he took from Hedman. And to me, it was really interesting mm-hmm. to see to hear him say that he was watching tape this year of That's Victor amazing. Hedman. That's right? so cool. Did it, when you're talking to Hedman, didn't it feel like he has the type of demeanor that if you're in the room with him yeah, you and he it. says something, it's you're listening and you are acting on whatever he's saying. He just has that leadership quality. Just from an interview, just just right there. He's 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 like a horse, but he's the soft 
outspoken, right. like you have to kind of pay attention to notice him kind of mm-hmm. horse. And I feel like there's an old saying uh, in hip hop that real bad boys move in silence. It's Applies. Yeah, and Victor Hedman has that kind of real bad boy move in silence. Like, you don't want to mess with him. You don't want to piss him off. Uh, But if you do piss him off... Best of luck to you. Yeah, watch out. (laughs) And watch all the little things he does if you're a defenseman and a kid. Like, it's unbelievable what he does. He's got those, like, Lidstrom-like angles, and he's got that reach that comes with being so big and so smooth. Controls the game. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right. Uh, we're going to try and control this game now. Nice. So we've got our live element. That was Victor Hedman live from NHL's Media Day, which is taking place today in Colorado. Still to come, though, Matt Bonner in studio to break down the NBA Finals. Ben Nicholson-Smith from the ballpark ahead of the Jays and Orioles and some breaking news surrounding Hyunjin Ryu, who is out for the year, plus Canada's men's Global Jam coach, Nathaniel Mitchell, the U23 team released today. We'll talk to him about that. We'll go back to first things second. Next. I'm Tim I think I got it all straight. Live team. A spectacular performance from Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins drives and finishes! Exclamation point from Andrew Wiggins! Golden State Warriors are one win away from getting back on that championship throne. George was obviously watching Charlie jog in and then said, You know what? I can do the Charlie. <laughs> of admission on most nights all on his own, isn't he? Scotty Barnes looked like a big-ass middle schooler who ain't hit puberty yet. But I still got a baby face, bro. He got a cute little baby face, man. Well, now we look at our 10-day forecast. It's looking a little bit like those Dallas Cowboys is peaking in the 90s. continues live television kids the Victor Hedman timing shuffled some things around but uh, we've got more to get to in first things second first things second second Rodney Hood back at it that's me the Blue Jays beat up on the Orioles last night you're asking Rogers people to go Center. back like a half an hour now. is that a half an hour yeah it was a half an hour ago wow. well welcome to everybody who's just joining us right now <laughs> Uh, 11-1 victory for the Blue Jays. Alec Manoa turned in another strong outing, going six innings, one hit ball, striking out seven. The Jays, red hot, have now won 14 of their last 18 games. But it's not all good news for the Jays, as we found out this afternoon. Injured starter Hinjin Ryu is out for the rest of the season with UCL damage. Here's GM Ross Atkins on the news. At this point, we've decided to move forward with a procedure with Dr. Elitrosh. We were... Um, you know, hopeful that there was the potential of a conservative route and, you know, weighed the pros and cons of that and ultimately decided that it was best to move forward with the procedure. Not sure exactly what the procedure will be. It's one of two at this point where there either will be a full revision of of the UCL, and that's Tommy John, or it'll be a partial repair. I won't know until Dr. Elitrosh gets in there. Dr. Elitrosh, do you remember... Uh, you'd see like a tweet or a news article, and it would be Dr. James Andrews. It was always Dr. James Andrews. What happened to Dr. James Andrews? And that was like, yeah. you're done. Well, Dr. You're going James, to see James Andrews, you are done for the D- year. Dr. James Andrews has got to be like 85 now. 
and he lasted as the top guy for a long, long time, long, great time. career. Uh, so obviously disappointing news uh, for Ryu first and foremost. But what's the impact of the loss of Ryu for the Jays moving forward here? Yeah, let, let, let's take a second just to to pour some out here. Like this could be the end of Hyunjin Ryu's career. Like. We're talking about full year into next year. That's the end of the long-range contract that the Jays signed him to now. You would think maybe he could go back to his home and native land and keep pitching. But at the time of his injury, he wasn't all that great. He had kind of settled back into being the Hyunjin Ryu of old. But uh, that's a big hole in what the Jays were hoping to get from Hyunjin Ryu this year. And listen, he wasn't the ace anymore, but he was a very solid 4-5 and could have been, if he was healthy, even better than most 4s and 5s around the league. And listen, Stripling's been great. You still need depth. Um, And Ross Stripling could get you to the deadline. Just I don't know how much you want to use of that asset given that you expect to be playing meaningful baseball when it matters most. Like, Stripling's been unbelievable. Like, one of the unsung heroes of this team. But if you keep using him the way you're using him right now, are you at risk of making him less valuable or less useful when it actually matters the most? If I were the Jays, I would go out and get some starting pitching depth right now. Or as soon as possible. And it's because that guy's been that valuable to this team. So are you saying that if he pitches too much, it would be, become a fatigue issue later on in the season? Yeah, he wasn't. he's still stretching out right now. Yeah. Like We're still talking about pitch counts for him as a starter. It just so happens he, he's taking that pitch count into the 6th, 7th inning in the last few of his starts. He's been yeah. unbelievably good. But... This isn't when you need him most. That's a, such a valuable piece, especially in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Having a long relief swing guy that you could start in a pinch. Like, if he's this good that late, don't then, burn him. yeah, don't burn him. But that's such a delicate balance, and that's why they have that high-performance team. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about this with... Uh, is it Arden? Ben Nicholson? Ben Nicholson. Smith. Smith. Yeah, I knew it was an at the letters podcast co-host. <laughs> the uh, the high Nicholson performance Smith. team. I don't know. We, we've spent a couple of years, and the high performance team has had some some question marks. So uh, gonna have to get to it with Ross Stripling. Some ups and downs. Some ups and downs in the but high. The problem with the highs high and per- lows. Highs and lows. The problem with the high performance team is you only notice when it goes bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, like most when it like goes well. And there's a guy like Alec Manoa mowing down competition. No one's going, hey, that that high-performance team's really doing work with a kid who only had nine starts in minor league baseball. All of the credit goes to Alec Manoa, and it should. It's just one of those things in life that when things go well, you don't notice it. And when things go bad, that high-performance team is horse Well, credit to them. We haven't, we haven't heard about them in a long time now, so that must be a good thing. What are they doing with Manoa? Like, how is he doing this? He's good. Uh, he's an all-star right now, and yesterday, Shai Davidi was on the show, and we were talking about potential Cy Young conversation. Let me just read off what he's doing right now. Wins, AL rank, first. ERA, AL rank, first. Whip, fourth. Opponents average, fifth. Innings, fourth. Like These are Cy Young numbers. However, 
Justin Verlander is doing almost as well as these numbers. Verlander is 8 and 2 with a 194 ERA and a whip of 0.81 and as we all know, when it comes to voting for awards, oftentimes stories take precedent over mm-hmm. numbers, especially if the numbers are close. And I think the 39-year-old <laughs> winning Cy Young would be quite the story. Now he'll have to keep this up. But Alec Manoa is right there, and this is his second year. In the, it's, like, it's historic what he's doing right now. If, historic, and if, I'm not kidding. If you thought that he was going to be this good, you were just, you're lying. You're just lying. Yeah, there's no way. There's, it's impossible. He had nine minor league starts. Like, how would that even be possible? But the, the thing that I find fascinating here is like, he's just that good because we're here in June in his second year now. There's, there's a book out. There should be a book out on him at this point of his career, yet somehow he's just getting better. Like, that's what's fascinating to me. The, the scouting takes place now. It's not just one start. It's not two starts. It's not five. You're, you're getting into, like, a, a big chunk of, of sample size here, and still he's able to do what, things like he did last night, which I find remarkable. Um, it's, it's a little different against the, uh, the Royals and the O's, but I'll just give you this. Historic, I'm not, I'm not playing. Over his 32 career starts... He's 17 and 3. 32 starts is basically a year. 31, 30. Mm-hmm. It's basically a year. He's 17 and 3 with a 259 ERA and a 099 whip. Do you, do you know how many players since 1901 have had 17 wins in their first 20 decisions? Enlighten me, please. Seven. Whitey Ford, Vida Blue, like King Cole, Freddie Shup. Like, Legends, you can play. You can play with those players in MLB The Show because right. they're legends. Right. Yeah. That, that's that's the only reason why any of the kids that are watching this show right now might even know any of the names Vita that we Blue. threw out there. Yeah, that's right. Right, because yep. they appear in MLB The Show as legends, and that's why when I say what he's doing is historic, it is. Lowest ERA, first 12 starts of the season, franchise history. Dave Steeb, who was unbelievable and one of the most underrated pitchers in the history of the game. And Roger Clemens, one of the most overrated pitchers in the history of the game. <laughs> so he's right in between the two when it comes to lowest ERAs. It, it, it is jaw-dropping. And now the bats are going. Look out. Look out. Look out indeed. Ben Nicholson-Smith coming up just a little bit later. Uh, For now, we go to soccer. The men's national team was back on the pitch last night in Honduras for Nations League play, but they fell 2-1 at Estadio Olimpico in a rain-soaked match. Jonathan David scored the lone goal for Canada in the 86th minute to cut the deficit to just one goal, but the game was sealed after a controversial red card in extra time was handed to Alistair Johnston. A stupid red card, you're going to say a stupid red card. Yep. After this loss and the events in the past few weeks, but is there any pushes, cause for concern? The referee pushed Milan Borea. This is CONCACAF, though, right? This was very CONCACAF. Is Sorry, there, one more question. One more time on the question. Is there any cause for concern ahead of the World Cup in November? This has been a tumultuous we're, yeah, few we're, weeks. Yeah, we still have we still have another window in September. We still have time to get it right. But let's be honest here. Since beating Jamaica 4 nothing in that celebration at BMO Field in downtown Toronto, booking the trip to the World Cup, it hasn't gone exactly swimmingly for the Canadian national team. A loss to Panama, cancelled versus Iran, cancelled versus Panama. Uh, players in a pay dispute. 
They did beat Curacao 4-0 and then lose 2-1 to Honduras on a terrible, ridiculous pitch. And anyone who ever questions why guys don't show up, this is why guys don't show up because they don't want to go and play on a pitch like that and tear their ACL and ruin their career. There is insurance for that, but why the hell would you ever want to do that? And that's the danger of where we're at right now. And every single one of those guys in that pay dispute showed up and tried to play on that nonsense last night. However, it, it, there's a reason for concern. However, in September, they can smooth it all out making me feel a little bit better. It's just been a, a rough couple of weeks and months for the Canadian national team. And I feel like this was avoidable with some momentum and some maybe some maybe foresight. Yeah. I just wonder if the, the emotional high of what they accomplished against Jamaica and then to come back from that might take a little bit yep. to ramp up. Yep. Ramp it back up. Yeah. And that's say. why I say September yeah. for me is yeah. when I'll really start judging. But honestly, it hasn't been a great couple of weeks and or months for the Canadian national team. But there is still time, and it's time for our break. When we come back, Canada's men's roster for this summer's Global Jam event was announced a short time ago. We will catch up with the head coach of that team as Nathaniel Mitchell joins us next live right here on Tim and Friends. we got an all-star team to tell you about next right here on Tim and Friends. The Canadian national under-23 teams are gathering for Global Jam, the inaugural world under-23 tournament at the Mattamy Centre in Toronto, where basketball culture has been showing out of late, from the NBA to the CEBL. Let's hope this is next. Last week, we introduced you to Kali Clark, who is the women's head coach. And yes, I always listen to Queen Latifah and Moni Love, who once told me, ooh, ladies first. Ladies first. But today, it is my pleasure to have the men's national coach, Nathaniel Mitchell, on the show. Welcome to Tim and Friends, Nathaniel. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. Awesome. The the roster released today, and I I love the fact that it's not just a U.S. college all-star team. You have some Canadian college players mixed in. You have some CEBL players mixed in. You have some uncommitted players Mixed in here, how did you guys go about the roster construction before naming it today? Well, we, we had a large depth chart. Um, we tried to target all the athletes um, within our system that have come through our system before, some that have kind of slipped through the cracks and now playing really well in the NCAA or the youth sport level. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really kind of attacked that. We I probably we probably looked at about 60 to 70 names and then narrowed it down and narrowed it down some more. We had an open trout last week where we're going to take about four of those guys into camp. So um, we've done a lot of homework. We've watched a lot of film on some guys, and we've come to this number here. Um, can't wait to get it going. I know hardcores know some of these names, but for the average fans who are out there watching the show, who should they be excited about seeing play in our home and native land? Oh, man, um, I'm excited to coach these guys as well. <laughs> yeah. Guys like Marcus Carr, who had a really good season at Texas, his third-team All-Big 12. We've got the Big East Freshman of the Year and Ryan Nemhart coming in and playing with us. We have a young, talented player, Leonard Miller, that committed to play with us, and he's coming to camp. And he just, uh, you know, recently, yesterday, you know, committed to play for the G League at night team, which he'll be yeah. eligible for the draft next year. 
Um, so, so we're really excited for some of these young players to come in, some guys that have played for their country for, for years. And to be on this level and to continue to play and continue to get better, uh, we're just really excited to give them the opportunity, and I'm super excited to be coaching them. Coach, one of the things that's always bothered me is that a lot of our kids feel like they have to leave home to make it, which leads to a bunch of people having to, to leave their home, to leave their family. But this tournament gives us a chance to show up and show out and do it at home. Toronto is your home. What's it like to have something like this, like this tournament, in, in your city? Well, it's a great opportunity. Uh, I think we asked all the athletes that were on a call, like, how many of you guys got to play for a national team in Toronto? Like, they all answer none. Yeah. Um, so the opportunity to play in front of your friends, your family, your country, get the support, especially at this level, uh, is amazing. And, and for me, I grew up here in Toronto um, as a Canadian, and I really, really appreciate just the effort that our federation put into trying to host this event and give everybody an opportunity all right, so I know this, the States is sending Baylor, uh, the 2021 national champions under Scott Drew, number one seed in the 2022 tournament. Is it going to be tough to play an established team like Baylor with a group of kids that you're trying to put together, you know, in the blink of an eye? Absolutely. I mean, it's a great coach, and Scott Drew, obviously, they won a national championship. They're very good every year defensively. Um, but, but we look forward to that challenge. I, I think that team... Uh, over year, they, they'll be able to get some continuity. And I think that's what we're building here. I think it's one of the reasons I got the opportunity to coach this team is continuity through our whole country and our whole federation, from the senior men's level team all the way down to the U-17s that are getting ready for camp now for their world championship run. So uh, we're building something here as well with our continuity. Um, and I think the other countries that are coming are going to be in that same boat. So we're really prepared for that um, option and that opportunity. Brazil and Italy are the other two countries that will uh, be coming up and maybe an opportunity for some revenge to the U18s who lost to Brazil in the semifinal of the America's Cup uh, that the hardcores were watching for sure. Yes. This, this to me is an interesting tournament when it comes to age. R.J. Barrett just turned 22 today, and obviously he's not playing. He's in the NBA. Do we look at this as, as Canadian ball fans as a developed thing as helping European pros get better looks like do you know how this will evolve for the kids playing in this tournament I think I think for the biggest thing for us is that we see the world uh, the world juniors um, every year something that our country really relishes and, and supports and, and we want to kind of do the same thing with basketball here in our country and, and this is the opportunity for a lot of kids within this age group, when they finish with our under-18, our under-19s, until they make our senior men's national team, there's not a lot of opportunity in that area for them to play FIBA basketball right. and represent their country. So this kind of plugs that gap. And I think there's a lot of talent there. And you can see the amount of NBA players that we have in our country now. So there's going to be a, a, a plethora of guys that need the opportunity to keep playing, keep developing, um, winning habits being developed as well. And we want our country eventually to get to the medal sense, right? We want to be wearing a medal, to wear, get a gold medal at the Olympics. Right. And this is the process for our country to do that, especially with our federation. Yeah, I love the development because as you see, 
year after year. There's undrafted guys in the NBA who have worked their way through Europe. And all those European nations have domestic leagues where they can continue to develop their players. We just got that in the CEBL. And then this can kind of plug in the gap as well. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Thank you very much for doing this, Nathaniel. Really appreciate you dropping by. No, once again, thank you. The king of court cuts. I really appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) Nice. Back in the day. Appreciate you. Uh, We'll talk again soon. Yes, thank you. There is uh, Nathaniel Mitchell. He just made your day. Yeah. Anyone who remembers the king of court cuts back in the day uh, on the Boulevard of Linden uh, is one of my guys. (laughs) So he has officially just become one of my guys. But like I've been saying about those domestic national professional leagues and their importance like supporting national teams also helps create the type of environments that everyone wants to be a part of right like I always find it hilarious people ripping on the NBA players for not showing up for Canada and then I mean I remember like 1200 people showing up at then the ACC for Canada and France like you can't have your cake and eat it too if you want them to show up then you have to do your part right like, you know why soccer players always show up for World Cup service or hockey players always show up for Canada? Because they know it's going to be crazy. They know the support will always be there. Yeah, I know they're proud to wear their country's colors, but it also helps when the atmosphere is crazy. And guess who creates that atmosphere? Jesse, me, you. So we can do it right here. Make sure these kids have a great atmosphere by showing up on what should be a great venue. Just ask anyone who played in the Pan Am Games. That place, that building, that Madame Center, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, wonderful venue. It is the same thing that you were talking about yesterday with the CFL. Yep. The fans can make the atmosphere. Right. It's what you choose to do with it. And, and they do in certain areas. Yeah. And Toronto did it for the Scarborough Shooting Stars. I don't know if you've seen that in the CBL, yeah. but it, yeah. it's but already Cole, something yeah. special. Yeah. yeah. Like Drake's out. Like, oh, there's names out there. We'll see if they do it at the Madame Center. All right. Coming up, a near-perfect night for the Jays last night. Great pitching, tons of offense. Can they keep it rolling tonight against the Orioles? We'll tee it up with Ben Nicholson-Smith and go over the late-breaking news. If you're just joining us, Chun-Jin Ryu out for the season. We'll discuss that next right here on Tim and Friends. Dogs back here. Hour number two. Tim and Friends full hour available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet 360. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet. Ahead of Blue Jays Central followed by the Jays and the Orioles. Ben Nicholson-Smith will join us shortly from the ball yard where we'll discuss uh, Hyunjin Ryu out for the season and our commercial conversation about whether most people, if they had their choice, would put butter on their movie theater popcorn. I'll explain. Plus, Matt Bonner in the final half hour with his thoughts on the NBA Finals. Meantime, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals just over 24 hours away. The Avs back in the Cup Final for the first time since 2001 with a young core that has had their share of disappointments over the past few seasons. Finished off the Oilers last Monday, so an all-nine-day break going into game one. But head coach Jared Bednar isn't worried about any rest on today's NHL Media Day. 
gave him a couple days away from the rink, and since we've come back, I see a focus group. I don't see a group that that is um, getting overexcited or anxious in any way. It's again, I think part of the reason from that is is just the approach we took from the start of the season and and building to get here, and we feel like the job isn't finished, so it's it's kind of business as usual for our team. Lightning, meantime, have just a couple of days to get ready for their third straight cup final appearance. No team has won three in a row since the Islanders of the early 80s. Nope, not even the Oilers of the late 80s. So history definitely on the line in the cup final. Meanwhile, Braden Point practiced earlier today. So Tampa hoping to get him back. John Cooper asked if he'll be available for game one. Well, he's an NHL coach, so he said this. There's a chance. Um, we... Last series, you know, if we was going to go deep, we thought potentially, but we weren't going to push anything. It's all about how he feels. He felt pretty good today. We'll see how he responds tomorrow. Um, but things are leaning towards him playing, and if it's not tomorrow, really anticipate game two, but we'll see how he is tomorrow. Colorado is going to be a heck of a challenge. They are a phenomenal team. Uh, they have talent at every position. They have probably a bunch of all-time great players when it's all said and done. Um, so they present a, you know, a formidable challenge for us, but at the same time, it's an incredible opportunity for our guys. Our guys have made so many sacrifices to get here physically, emotionally, financially in some cases, uh, to earn this opportunity, and now we get to chase a cup in 2022, and that's an incredible opportunity for our guys. All right, so while the hockey world awaits the start of the Stanley Cup final, another story continues to dominate the headlines and trouble many. Today, Hockey Canada said it welcomes the opportunity to testify about the settlement of a civil lawsuit in which eight former Canadian Hockey League players, some members of the Canadian World Junior Hockey Team 2018, were accused of sexually assaulting a woman in June of that year after Parliament asked several members of Hockey Canada to testify before the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage next week. Hockey Canada, who is getting hit from many different sides, also stated that no government funds were used in the recent settlement of the lawsuit. Now, the allegations are shocking, to say the least, and the fact that this wasn't public knowledge until after a settlement was reached, has many suggesting that this was at best swept under the rug and at worst, cover-up. Session will be made public and will feature four officials from Hockey Canada. Now, it's a shame that it took media and government pressure to start getting to the point where we might get some answers on this, but also at some point, we have to teach our kids just to be better. All right, to baseball. The Jays back in action against the Orioles tonight. Yusei Kikuchi on the mound for the Jays after not getting out of the first inning in his last timeout. The Orioles counter with Jordan Lyles. Julian Merriweather hit the IL for the Jays today with a left abdominal strain. While it's bad news on Hidden Jin Ryu, season over according to Jays GM, Ross Atkins. Um, you know, hopeful that there was the potential of a conservative route and, you know, weighed the pros and cons of that and ultimately decided that it was best to move forward with the procedure. He's extremely disappointed. Um, he, I think, got to the point where he said, I just want to compete as quick as humanly possible and felt like this was the best thing to do that and, um, and focused on doing that for us. But he is, uh, you know, obviously 
he's professional and he's a very tough individual and has perspective, but he's extremely disappointed that he won't be uh, a part of this in the near term. All right, here's who will be a part of the lineup today against the Orioles. Springer will uh, DH and lead off. Teoscar Hernandez back in the cleanup spot. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hits fifth. Ramal Tapia sixth and in center for Springer. Chapman returns to the lineup after missing the past three games with that wrist issue. Gabby Moreno will catch bat eighth while Kevin Biggio plays second. And a day off for the red-hot Alejandro Kirk. Joining us now from the Dome is Ben Nicholson-Smith. If you're doing podcasts right, you follow at the letters wherever you get your podcasts. Ben joins us now from the Rogers Center. What's going on, Ben? How are you, man? Tim, doing great. Good to be uh, talking some baseball with you. We got a great day for baseball. Jeez, oh. um, I mean, they're playing great. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting time for this team. But the weather too. Like, let's just soak that in for a second here in Southern Ontario. This is an absolutely gorgeous day for baseball. It's perfect. I think it's going to be 21 degrees when they throw the first pitch in about an hour. So you can't really beat that. No, you can't beat that. And as I can see by the shadows behind you, the dome is open, kids. The dome is open. All right, let's talk about Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, what's the latest? And then what does this mean for the Jays? Yeah, I mean, for the Jays, it's kind of status quo. They've been rolling without Ryu for a while now. Stripling has done such a good job in that rotation, so he'll stay in there. And now it's really a question of how they can augment the rotation, how they can add some depth behind uh, their current five. So they're in an okay position right now uh, as fifth starters or sixth starters go. Stripling's been great, so that's a guy that they can keep in there with a lot of confidence. But bigger picture for the Jays with Ryu his season's over, and then it, it really is a question of whether he can come back at all next year. If it is, it'll be late in the season. He's certainly not going to miss or, or not going to be available for the early part of the 2023 season. So he might have already thrown his last pitch as a Toronto Blue Jay. And you hope it's not the last pitch of his career. But but moving forward, too, do, do you think that the depth in that rotation, like I was talking earlier, Ross Stripling has been unbelievable for this team, but you also need that guy when it matters most in the postseason uh, and assuming this team is good enough to get to the postseason you don't want to burn that arm out that hasn't been exactly still on pitch counts even though he's getting into uh, the sixth inning seemingly repeatedly on that pitch count like is there a worry that you could burn out that arm for when it matters most and is that what would get you out on a market to me, I would just be on the market because of depth, because yeah. you just never know what would happen. And then if even one more pitcher is sidelined, right. which probably will happen at some point, then it's like, who's next? And, I, you know, I really don't know what that answer would be. For Stripling, like, I would have a fair amount of confidence in him. And once you get to October, he's probably not making starts for you anyway. You're probably rolling with Gosman, Manoa, Barrios as your one, two, three in the playoffs. And even if you make a, a number four start, if you're in the ALCS or the World Series, I'm guessing Kikuchi would be their plan uh, ahead of Stripling. And so Stripling is more a guy who gets you there, who faces the Orioles and the Tigers and, of course, the Yankees coming up this weekend. Um, and, and I'm fine with him in that role, but you still need help beyond him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I guess Matt Chapman itching to get back into this lineup? Yeah, I mean, that's good for them to see. Espinal was great at third. Yeah. I mean, he's been so good wherever they put him. So you're able to get by for a couple of days without uh, a Matt Chapman if you really have to. But, yeah, to have him back is obviously a good thing for this team um, as they move ahead. And he's feeling good. So I asked Charlie Montoyo today, you know, what's the the plan here? Do you need to rest him? And he said that he thinks that Chapman's basically good to go. 
All right, so you mentioned Espinal at third, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but yesterday was shy. We were talking all-star pushes by Manoa. We were talking all-star push by Alejandro Kirk. Is Santiago Espinal kind of sort of in a conversation for all-star? I think he has to be. I mean, you know, you can't rule it out with a month to go. He's making a great case for himself. Just the defense alone has been phenomenal. But then you throw in a guy who's hitting 280, uh, you know, really good offensive numbers as well. So the overall package is very good. Now, if he doesn't make the all-star team, it's probably not going to be the biggest snub. But he's got a case. And with a month to go, he could really strengthen it and find himself in Los Angeles. All right, so let's start uh, starting. Let's talk starting pitching uh, here, Alec Manoa, once again, wonderful for the Jays yesterday. No argument with Charlie uh, after being pulled. But uh, the numbers are historic. Like, I'm kind of running out of superlatives for Alec Manoa. Like, what's the most impressive thing to you about what he's been able to do in the base? Yeah, to me, it's just that he did it right away. And, you know, that's all we've seen from him. We've only seen him good. But it's actually pretty rare, right? Like, you think about Kevin Gosman, the other ace on this team. He pitched for years with the Baltimore Orioles and had a totally different arsenal when he first came up. Or Robbie Ray, who won the Cy Young here last year. Roy Halladay, the last Cy Young Award winner before Robbie Ray. I mean, he had to go down to Class A and reinvent himself. So it's actually a pretty stark contrast when you see someone in Alec Manoa who has only been good. Like, he got to this level and has stayed there the entire time. And that's just, you just don't see that very often. So I'm really impressed by that. I don't believe wins are as antiquated as most people do. I, I think that some pitchers just know how to win ball games. But the 17 decisions in your first 20 starts, our first 20 decisions in the major leagues, like only seven other pitchers have 17 wins in their first 20 decisions. And they're all guys that, as Jesse mentioned, you can play as legends on MLB The Show. Like, this is, like, we're talking historic levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I'm with you on wins. I do think that there's a, I have a soft spot for them in a way. Like, I do want Justin Verlander to get to 300. I think he's 234 right now. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if someone's 11 and 10, if someone's 9 and 7, that means nothing. I don't look at wins for most pitchers. Right. But if someone is 17 and 3, right. you know, in their major league career, or 3 and 17 for that matter, Correct. then I will pay attention. And it does tell you something. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at on wins. Like, I do believe, there's still a part of me, you know, pitching to contact late in the game where you're up 7 nothing like I think if you play for a crappy team wins suck if you play for a really good team wins can lie to you but like there's a there's a soft spot in the middle where I still think wins matter for sure yeah Yeah. and Manoa's racking up a lot of those (laughs) yeah he is all right so let's talk about today's starter you say Kikuchi how do we know what we're getting start to start from Kikuchi I mean, I, I certainly don't know what we're getting. I'm not sure that a lot of people in the Jays clubhouse know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we do. Um, and that's okay. I mean, he's the he's the number four starter on this team right now. Again, like you look around the context of Major League Baseball, number four starters, like you're rarely going to have total certainty and total confidence. And Kikuchi has the stuff. Um, that's a good starting point. He's obviously got the potential to be better than what he's shown so far and certainly way better than what he showed against the Royals his last time out. But, yeah, he's he's someone who can be better, um, who should be better moving forward. And, and I think, you know, this is a good matchup to face the Baltimore Orioles. If you're a starting pitcher, this is uh, where you want to be. Uh, Earlier this morning, I sent uh, a million st- statistics to the team. 
and I probably sent way too many, but I was reading too much early this morning on Blue Jays baseball. But the one that stuck out to me the most was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. versus his dad at the same point in his career as tweeted out by Hector Gomez. And the fact that the numbers are near identical home runs on base percentage in the first 403 Major League Baseball games. Did you catch this? And what the hell do you make of, I mean, is it an anomaly? Is it more than that? Like, what the hell are we doing here? It's wild. I did see that. It's such a cool stat. And it's not, you know, sometimes you see these stats that are almost forced, right? It's like against left-handed pitchers before the sixth (laughs) inning. And, you know, this is just the career stats, right? It's just straight-up stats. So, um, yeah, definitely caught my eye. You know, what I take away from that is basically Vlad Sr. was one of the best players of his generation. So, Vlad Jr., to be doing this, that's a high OBP. That's a lot of home runs. I mean, he has been really productive He's still not finding, you know, now we are seeing the last couple of weeks he's finding himself. But this year, uh, it's been slower for him, uh, but we know there's more there. And, uh, you know, I think on any given night, especially facing the Orioles, especially at home, uh, dome open, I won't be surprised at all if we see a couple lasers off the bat of Vlad Jr. tonight. Without a doubt. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weather, my friend. Oh, hold on. Before I let you go, settle a commercial conversation. <laughs> Do you put it. butter on your movie theater popcorn? Yes, 100% I would. Now, I have not been to the movies since COVID. It's been like literally years, yeah. but in theory, I would. In theory, you would. Okay, what do you think the percentage of people who health aside would put butter on their movie theater popcorn? I mean, I would say 80%. Where do you guys land on this? (laughs) Okay, so Jesse said to me, he's going to movies for the first time since COVID. He's going to go watch Top Gun. I go, yeah, get yourself a a bag of popcorn. Put some butter on that ish and enjoy it, my friend. And he's like, no, no butter. Yeah, not a, not a butter person. And I actually thought, Ben, the health aside is a little tricky, but I actually thought <laughs> you know, being, in, being in a lineup at a movie theater, I don't like. I don't know if I don't pay attention, but I don't see people order butter very often. So it led me to say that I thought maybe 30% of people would put butter on their popcorn at the movie theater. Because it, butter, <laughs> wow. you got a wow it, from you got a wow it's, from Ben. It's 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 good, but sometimes it can get soggy, so not everybody likes it. Soggy, and it depends if you're going all the time. La- who lets it last long enough for it to be soggy? And if you're going all the time too, then it gets like a little bit much, and you have to be cognizant of the well, the, well, the health effects. That's why I await your report. <laughs> confusing. Sorry, Ben. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I await Jesse's report. I want to know what the lineup status was at the at the theater later tonight. <laughs> yes. so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I mean, I think we should put this one on Twitter because I am mystified. And the health aside part was you're going for the first time to the I movie am. theater since COVID. And I said, treat yourself to a little. So it's not like you've gone a hundred times and you've gotten butter every time. You can counteract it too by getting a small, and then you put the butter on, and then you're you know. You're in a window of right, we're letting calories. Ben, we gotta let Ben go. <laughs> poor guy, we ben poor guy's go. got a job to do. Ben, Ben's gotta go do baseball. And we're talking about movie theater popcorn, I but it. I think it is one of the one of the trials of our generation. How much butter you put on your popcorn? <laughs> After the break, we'll get back to Stanley Cup Media Day. Sean Reynolds and Gabriel Landeskog next, and Tim and Friends. Let us know, please, at Tim and Friends. In case. 
case you haven't heard, tomorrow night, puck drop, Stanley Cup final between the Avalanche and the Lightning. If the Avs want to win their first ever Stanley Cup, excuse me, their first Stanley Cup since 2001, Joe Sackick is going to slap me in my mouth. <laughs> say something like that. Uh, their first Stanley Cup since 2001, they'll have to go through the two-time defending cup champs in the Tampa Bay Lightning. A short time ago at NHL Media Day, our own Sean Reynolds caught up with the captain of the Avs, Gabriel Landeskog, to discuss how Colorado is embracing that challenge. Hear the voice. So, Gabe, you guys finally get to the Stanley Cup final, a place that a lot of us thought you guys would have been in the past before this. You get here and you're facing a team that has won it a couple times, knows all the secrets of being in the Stanley Cup final. How daunting is that experience factor that Tampa has heading into this? Yeah, I mean, obviously they got they got more experience than we do, uh, you know, but that's experience can happen overnight, uh, and, you know, you got to put the work in for that to happen. And I think... Um, you know they're they're a great team from top to bottom. Any way you you look at it, they're they're strong, and um, it's going to be a fun series because I uh, I'm very confident in our group and what we have in there. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again: to you know to be the best, you got to beat the best. And and I don't think they've seen anybody like us, and we haven't seen anybody like them. So it'll be fun. Well, for them to get to where they got, they had to go through some past failures. You guys have done that. Dallas a couple of years ago, Vegas last year. What have you learned? What are the lessons you take away from that that you've been able to employ this season? I mean, you got to learn you got to learn how to win the playoffs in different ways, and I think that's we've done that to this point so far. And you know, it's special teams one night, it's your goalie the next night, it's uh, you know a, a late tying goal that leads you into overtime or whatever. So, but I've been the most impressed with our group is the way we've stuck together and just kept sticking with our, our, our systems and keep believing in what we're doing and it doesn't matter if it takes 59 minutes as it did in game six against St. Louis uh, we just stick with it and don't change sometimes when when you meet some resistance it's easy to in the years past that we you start going off on different pages but as a team we've been able to stick together and that's going to be important moving forward here as well. Yeah, that find-a-way mentality that you had has really showed in the two sweeps that you had in that tough series against St. Louis. Uh, do you feel like you've been battle-tested enough, or, or what do you take away from the fact that you guys have got through this far with only two losses? I don't think the number of games necessarily uh, reflect how tough the series has been, to be completely honest with you. you know, Nashville are tough in their ways, and Obviously, St. Louis won six games, but I think Edmonton as well. I mean, it, you, the margin for error is so small in the playoffs, and sometimes you you need some luck, you need some bounces, and, and you need some key goals at key times. But, um, you know, all those series could have easily gone six, seven games. And it's just um, I'm happy the way it didn't to get some extra rest and, and rest up some bumps and bruises. But at the same time, it hasn't been easy getting there. I'm interested in you personally. You were named at the time the youngest captain ever in the history of the NHL. You assume leadership of a team. There's been a lot of ups and downs over that time, but I'm sure you've always been trying to get to this point. Is there any time for reflection on, on that young man who wore that C for the first time getting to where you are now? You know, that, that, that's, that's happened as we've gone on, and it happened over time. And, um, you know, there's been some reflection as, and... and some time for personal growth and whatnot and what you have to get better at and what situations you have to get more comfortable in. Uh, you know, a situation like this, for example, hasn't always been the most comfortable, but, um, you know, I think you try to stay in the moment as much as you can, uh, being present and, 
and controlling what you can control has always been something that we talk about in the locker room, and that's going to be no different moving forward here. But um, been a lot of growth, and I said from day one, I'm not going to be the perfect captain. I'm not going to be Joe Sackick. I'm not going to try to be anybody I'm not. Um, I try to do it my way and you know, keep my eyes and ears open, try to learn along the way, and um, that's what I'm planning on keeping doing moving forward. I think you've done a pretty darn good job uh, with yourself. Really Thank appreciate you. your time, and best of luck in the final. Thank you. Sean Reynolds, uh, Gabriel Landis-Cog, and that guy is a captain. Like That dude is just a captain. And I know that he doesn't score as much as some other guys would want a captain or a guy that makes $7 million to score, but he brings so much to that team in a bunch of different ways. There's a little Forsberg in there. There's a little bit of... He's underrated. got a little bit of everything. He's underrated yeah, somehow. I, so. I guess it's because uh, of who he plays with on that right. team. And they're so good. We're without a doubt. All right, so your, your popcorn take. Like, I knew during the commercial break when you and I had this conversation that it would stir up some controversy. What's going on with the movie theater popcorn with or without butter? So we uh, put the question out to the masses, asked on the show, do you get butter on your movie theater popcorn? Ben Nicholson-Smith. Yes, 79% yes. And I, I would like to clarify that like, I know the movies. it says, do you get butter on your movie theater property? I want to make sure people know it's, do you actually do it? Not do you want to do it. It's, do you actually do it when you go to the movie theater? Just trying to sway the vote a little Is bit. Is that because you said that 30% of people would say that they put butter on their property? It appears I may have been a little off. Just a wee bit. We'll get Just to the feedback. Because there's some... There's some, just a wee bit off. All right, time to send it to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. But if you want more of this talk, you stick around, my friend. Jamie and Joe standing by Rogers Center. Meanwhile, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Listen, Matt Bonner's coming in studio. NBA analyst, all-around good guy. I guarantee you he has an opinion on butter on movie popcorn. And we'll get to yours. Next, right here at Tim and Friends or Blue Jays Central. In this best of seven NBA finals, Wiggins turns, shoots, scores. Wiggins super aggressive right there. Gets inside. Shot is good. Curry to Wiggins. Wiggins the layup. It's good. He has been by far the best player on the floor. Jason Tatum, he's got to show up. Jason Tatum hits from downtown. Tatum finds some room. Another three. A 16-point lead has been cut to one. Horford for three. And the Celtics take the lead. And because of that, the Golden State Warriors have taken a 3-2 series lead as the series shifts back to Boston. Matt Bonner has joined us in the studio. Really appreciate you doing this in studio. Good to see you, homie. And then the, the, the T-Dot. Do they still call it the T-Dot? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they the still six. call it the T-Dot. The yeah, it's more the six. I'm 42. But I'm like borderline millennial Gen X. Right. I'm going with the T-Dot. Right. I'm 46, and I still remember Cardinal Official who did a song. Oh, yeah. I represent the T.O. Yeah, that was a and banger. I, I'm trying to convince my son to use that as his walk-up music for baseball. Mm. And he says, if we ever play tournaments outside of Toronto, I will use that song. That's the new thing. These old songs on TikTok 
have a new life. Tell him again. Go into the chats. Let's get him on there. (laughs) So before we get to the NBA Finals, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jesse and I had a commercial conversation, and sometimes those are some of the best, about movie theater popcorn. And he's going to the movie theater for the first time since COVID. And I said, treat yourself. Go and get some popcorn. Just smash it with some butter. And he's like, nah, I don't do butter on my popcorn. Do you, Matt Bonner, do butter on your movie theater popcorn? Like extra butter, like the thing where you push it and it squirts all in there? Yeah, yeah. Do you ask for butter? Do you no, ask you don't for need butter. extra butter. It's already laced with butter. Just Someone said that on Twitter, and I didn't know that. Did you know that? I, I don't think that's true. I'll tell you what is good. <laughs> I don't think that's true, man. I think it is. Yeah, you think that they already... Now, this it's, might be an American-Canadian thing. It might be. Yeah. It, it might be, but to me, movie theater popcorn already has more than enough butter and salt. Doesn't need any extra. Right. It's just overkill. Try adding peanut M&Ms to your popcorn. No, that, yeah, great yeah, combo. That, that yeah, is a yeah, great combo. A, it's like pork chops and applesauce. <laughs> That's <laughs> really good. That is a solid addition to the mix. I'll you, be doing that. You are taking another step down the road. I want to reverse here. <laughs> if anyone works in Cineplex Odeon here in Canada and wants to weigh in on whether or not the popcorn is pre-buttered and pre-salted, I wouldn't disagree the with the salt. it is. I can say that for a fact. It's <laughs> yellow. Why would it be yellow? Mm. That, that, it's I mean, probably not real butter, but it's true. You pop it at butter. home, it's not yellow. That's butter. You pop that's, it at home, it's not that's yellow. That's the other thing is like I know that there are places that have golden topping, and that like can go <laughs> like take off. But the real butter topping is where I'm looking at because this the golden topping is that's like fake foam. I'm gonna ask right? someone today. Someone's we'll, gonna tweet we'll, in. Yeah. We, we asked the the friends of the show. Someone will tweet in. I don't in think it's real butter say, though. Like someone's. I not think you have your choice. Nothing sticks of butter back there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's the issue. You could just put like a big chunk of butter into a warm plate. It's not that hard to melt. So you'd have to bring your own BYOB. <laughs> bring your own butter. <laughs> your own butter. Uh, Adam Parsons writes in and says Jesse putting his line at the amount of people who butter their popcorn at thirty percent makes me question everything he says. On <laughs> yeah, there. I mean it's fair. It's a fair point. It's yeah. a fair point. I was way off. I'm what, what do you out. think the number is? And I think this is vastly that different. Extra? That that ask for some yeah. sort of topping, yeah. butter or not, on their popcorn. And I think this would be different in Canada and the United States as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You guys do and that where thing. in the United States? Let's be honest. Um, I would say, are we doing? We're doing Canada. Let's do Canada. Canada's yeah. a pretty healthy country. I'm, I'm going uh, lower. I'm lower, going like one out of ten. One out of ten. Ten percent. Ten percent ask for butter on their popcorn. Assuming, look, I'm assuming it's like the states where there's there, it's already buttered. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, all I'm saying. That, he's working under the assumption like that it's yeah. pre-buttered. This is a you know complicated <laughs> conversation is, here. It is. I love how we're peeling the layers. Yeah, nuanced conversation. Uh, <laughs> but the M&Ms in there is a solid oh, yeah. mix to the equation. All right, so let's talk about the NBA Finals. Um, that was kind of a weird game, no? It was wicked weird. Yeah. Uh, we're talking a game where it was 51-39 to 39 at halftime. The Celtics missed their first 10 threes, and credit the Golden State defense. I mean, just smothering in the first half. Despite that, they were only up 12 points because guess what? The Celtics are also a really good defensive team. And good defensive teams, by virtue of playing good defense, when they're off on offense, can keep themselves in games. And that's what happened. And then I don't know what Newt Rockney speech <laughs> Ime Udoka gave at halftime, they but the Celtics... Miss. Came out yeah. and went on a 10-0 run, took the crowd right out of it. 
even took a three-point lead late in the third quarter. And then the ultimate feast or famine guy, Clay Thompson, went from a seven-day fast to an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> Knocks down two threes. He put butter on his popcorn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he went extra-large yeah. free refills, <laughs> American-style for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then Jordan Poole knocks down a crazy buzzer, buzzer beater. And then all the momentum shifted from there. And Golden State goes on a big run to match what the Celtics did up until that point. Goes on to win the game. And it was just a... Just a really bizarre game from an analyst standpoint because neither team could maintain uh, any momentum for the full 48. I mean, we always hear it's a game of runs. That epitomized it for is, sure. Is that – Jesse and I have actually had this conversation. Is that part of the um, emphasis on the three-point shot right now? Like that feast or famine and like Boston then in the third quarter couldn't miss from three and that helped them get there. Like is that why we're seeing these – wild swings yeah i mean i always say shooting is contagious not just with makes but with misses too it's like if, if one guy hits a couple or or you see your teammate you see the ball go through the hoop it becomes easier the hoop gets bigger right. or it gets smaller if you're missing and it just seemed to ebb and flow that way the whole game and coming into the series if you ask me hey matt what's one stat that's going to determine the outcome of this series i would have said three-point variance Correct. What team's going to be hot from three, especially with Golden State with all the shooters they have led by Steph Curry? That hasn't been the case this series. This series, the number one uh, most important stat has been points in the paint. Right. Whoever's won the battle of points in the paint has won every single game so far this series. And you would think that's something the Celtics would easily dominate with the amount of size and strength they have. But to Golden State's credit, they've matched them. And a big reason for that into my next takeaway from this yeah, game. is. And, and a qu- another question I had coming in was, is Steph going to get any help? He had to single-handedly win the game in Boston last time around with 43 points. Is someone going to help him? I thought you were going to get to Maple Jordan, and you are going to I am going to get to Maple Jordan, but before I do, oh. Jordan Poole, uh, Gary Payton II, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all significant contributions. But, yeah, the, the, the headline of the game, this was the Andrew Wiggins game. He, right. he is in my opinion, rewriting his narrative with this series. And we all know the narrative. I'm not going to repeat it because he's, you know, Toronto's favorite son. But <laughs> I, he, he got, like, I, I've kept hearing Americans say, like, you know, down south he's re- No, he got the same, like, even though he is beloved, even though he is, even though he showed up for Team Canada, there has still been some questions about what he is and what he could be. And this fit in Golden State just seems right. Yeah, they've unlocked something in him on both ends of the floor. He's been their most consistent player this entire series. And when I talk about points in the paint, he led the team with 26 points, 13 big rebounds. He was 0 for 6 from 3. He was going to work, going to the hoop. He had that huge uh, finish there. He had the huge dunk on Derek White. I thought he got fouled too. He's just playing possessed. And the important thing with him is his rebounding because Steve Kerr doesn't want to play Kevon Ludi and Draymond Green at the same time because that's that means you have two guys on the court that the Celtics don't really have to guard. Yeah. And they're already awesome on defense. So now if you have two guys that they can really roam and help off, how are you going to score? It just makes Clay, Steph, Poole, everybody's Wiggins, whoever is life harder to get get a bucket against that team defense. But because he's rebounding so well, he lets Steve Kerr play the smaller lineups where he doesn't have to play those two guys together, and that's been huge for the Warriors. You know, it's funny. You came in here uh, via Zoom last time, 
early in the series. I believe it was after game three, and you and I chatted about what they were doing well and how you thought that Udoka had the perfect game plan for the Golden State Warriors. And then I came on here after Game 3 and said, listen, if Golden State doesn't figure out a way to rebound, they were minus 16 on the boards. I believe they were minus 9 on the offensive glass in Game 3. Then there's no chance here. And I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that the guy that would come up with 29 boards after that statement would be Andrew Wiggins. But that's what he's done over the last two games. Like, is that coaching? Is that unlocking something? Like, how does a guy go from what his reputation was in Minnesota to where he is now? That's mentality. Yeah. That's, you got to want it. You got to go out there and say, I am bigger. He, I mean, he's arguably the most athletic guy on the court every yeah. time he laces him up. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to use that athleticism. I'm going to be aggressive. And I'm going to snatch rebounds because this is what my team wins. Championships on the line. Look, that was game five of the NBA Finals, 2-2. Two to two. Golden State, that's a must win for Golden State. They lose that game, the series is over, and he stepped up in such a huge way. He's going to be remembered for that more than anything he's done up until this point. And which brings me to my next takeaway. Yeah. All those guys stepped up on a night where, guess what, Steph Curry couldn't throw it into the ocean. I mean, he didn't make a single three-pointer. He was 7-for-22 from the floor. I mean, if you're the Celtics, you just got to be sick to your stomach. Yeah. Like, we blew a op- golden opportunity to take command of the series. We caught Steph finally on a really, really cold off night. And we beat ourselves. The rebounding, like you mentioned, yeah. you know, we, we didn't match the physicality with the points in the paint, which goes with the rebounding. Yeah. 18 turnovers, a lot of them just really bad turnovers. Yeah. Dumb turnovers, yeah. poor decisions, which led to easy offense for the Warriors. Complaining at the refs, they had two technicals. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's. Can we? Like, I know, I know you guys want to get. Can we talk about the flopping right now? I'm so glad they're not calling it though. Right. Marcus Smart. But they did call it. They, okay, so Marcus Smart. Like, they're not calling flops no, on Marcus they, Smart. They and every him. time, I'm yeah. just cheering at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I love it. Like. I'm just so sick of the flopping. I hope the rules committee does something about this. In the I have a theory. What's I have that? a theory. We have so much review in all of sports, and I've mentioned this about FIFA and soccer, that they should give out yellow cards for diving on review. Could we ever get to a point where referees hand out tees after the fact, there's a third official watching for a flop, and if you cheated the game, if you flopped, there's a technical and a free throw given to the other team, and they can show the replay in the building. I'm pretty sure that's what they do in international basketball, like in the European leagues and stuff. Mm. It's considered unsportsmanlike conduct. Right. Like you're, It's not in the spirit of the game. You're trying to trick the referees. And they guess what? They don't like that, and they put that rule in. And if they think you're trying to trick them, they'll tee you up. Exactly right. what you said. I would love to see that because I hate flopping. Right. It's the only way that I think that you can combat this because too many people are getting away with it and getting calls. What, I know you got a couple other notes down there. What else do we need to get to in talking about Game 5 and, more importantly, the adjustments yeah, that Boston exactly. makes? Exactly. I want to talk about looking ahead. Yeah. And, you know, from the Celtics' perspective, I think you got to refill the cup, heal from this, and – think, hey, we're going home for game six. We have home court advantage. We have won the last two games in seven series. So if we can win game six, we go to game seven. We won the last two in seven seven games. The heat right. on the road, there's no reason we can't do it again. 
you got to be think we haven't seen like a real Tatum game. We haven't seen yeah, like game true. six at Milwaukee when he went off for forty six and saved saved their season. This is to me. This is just lined up for a Tatum game. Like you're coming home game six, kind of like the Milwaukee series. Like mm-hmm. is this a game where he goes off for like forty something, enforces the game seven? Are the role players going to step up? They didn't really do much the last two games. Yeah. That's a huge reason why the Warriors were able to beat them after a loss for the first time since the All-Star break, basically. And then I really think the Celtics need to pick up the pace. Their offense was so stagnant last night. How many times did they take forever to get into whatever they were going to run? It didn't work, and then someone's got the ball and has to go one-on-one against a set Golden State defense and bail them out with a tough three or drive to the hoop and try to get fouled. they they got to attack, kick. Ball shift sides, make the defense shift, right. all that pace stuff. Not just fast breaks, but in the half court, get some movement. And I'm sure Ime is going to show him film on that if I know Ime. And then if you're and the you Warriors, I do know Ime very well. <laughs> and then if you're the Warriors, yeah. you got to feel pretty good. Like, hey, we broke like that streak I just mentioned. We yeah. beat them twice in a row. We beat them after a loss. We got two games to win one. We got Poole going. We got Clay Thompson going. We figured we got something with Gary Payton the second. I mean, yeah, look at what was unbelievable. He's, I think that was lost in all. He's the a defensive stopper. He had 15 yeah. points. He was yeah. great on offense. And efficient. Yeah, he yeah. was efficient. He knows his role. He's been huge for him. Uh, Wiggins playing the best basketball of his life. And you got to think, Steph just played one of the worst games of the season, and we still won. Bingo. So bingo. We're gonna get one of these two. So you got to be feeling good about yourself. So I could talk myself into either team. Uh, can I talk you into staying? Because we've run out of time. Would you stay for our last segment? We'll do a little last call and maybe tie a little bow. Let's do it. On this uh, NBA Finals coverage. Matt Bonner is going to stick through the break. We're going to do last call with Jesse Rubinoff because this is Tim and Friends. And we've got a few right now. Please stick around. It is my livelihood. And Jesse's. Bonner made some money. But whatever. It's our livelihood. All right, it is time now for Last Call here on Tim and Friends. And we've got a friend to stick around, Matt Bonner, stuck around. Jesse Rubinoff will take the reins here for Last Call. Any any bows that you would like to tie yeah. on this butter yes. conversation surrounding movie theater popcorn? As a matter of fact, yes. First of all, update is, is, on the poll. I did not sway it at all. It's 79.8% yes. So I'll just take the L. Yeah, That's fine. And, and Bonner takes the L. He said like 10%. Canada, well, well, in yeah. Canada. Well, yeah, I'm sure we have some international uh, viewers and, and responders. If I got them. popcorn with no butter on it, I'm getting butter on it. Let's just say that. Yeah, so, so you're part of the 80%. Okay. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. right? Uh, right. Okay, uh, Dave writes in and says, Jesse and Matt Bonner are way off. Cineplex up charges for butter, so it isn't on there. You can have golden topping for free. It ain't buttered. The percentage is closer to like 55, 60. I have lived in a movie theater since I was 14 years old. Butter is a bonus. Okay, but that, you, like, I want someone who works there to tell us whether or not it's Not someone who lives there. But someone yeah, not someone who just goes and suggests okay, that it is. Okay, hold on. Wayne says, when I worked at the movies at STC. Oh, here we go. The Scarborough popcorn. Town Center. Hold on. Yeah. Slow sure. down. <laughs> Slow down. Yeah. The popcorn is not <laughs> is not Let's see what the answer is. When the kernels go into the kettle, it is seasoned and the color comes from the canola oil oh, added to the kettle snap. when it's popping. Butter is added Wayne. by request after it's popped. Wayne costs, coming with fire. Costs are extra. I'm not no kidding. Costs are extra. <laughs> he worked there. <laughs> Wayne worked there at Scarborough Town Center. What is he, like a butter scientist? <laughs> How does he know this? That, that sounds If I right. work at a movie theater, I'm not like analyzing, oh, the 
Colonel oil is canola oil. That sounded right. I don't know if he's right. Does it? It sounded right. Like how would you know that? Like if you work at canola oil, if you work at Tim Hortons, you understand the chemistry of a coffee bean. Like no, but you understand when the cream goes into the coffee. That's a pretty good. That's not take, it's apples and oranges. <laughs> All right, apples and oranges. Any more, Jesse, over there? Um, Sean says, uh, you're right, don't worry. Theater popcorn has already got some butter salt flavor on it before you ask for topping on it. It's been that way before the original top. We're not talking about Not sure topping. what the credentials are no. for Sean. Don't know if we've, we've so eliminated we topping we've from the conversation. Yeah. I think we I think we've started an argument. I'm gonna have to ask. Like I'll just ask tonight. Oh, Cineplex Odeon. They're gonna we're gonna reach out to them and we're gonna figure it out. Are they pre-buttered, pre-salted? And if not, then eighty percent is a legitimate number, and both you guys were wrong. Yeah. I'm gonna layer it tonight and I'll let you know how it goes. I will say that you go to a movie, you're not like breaking out a salad. Like no. you're you're there no. to splurge. Yeah. You're gonna eat some candy, some yeah. popcorn. Yeah. So. That's, that's where we started yeah. on this. Okay. That seems Jesse to be was going the, out to have a, a, a first time movie in a long time. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm layering it up. I might even put some M and M's in there as per uh, what Matt has said. Yeah. yeah, but that's fine. Yeah. First time in over two years, so let's go. Uh, okay, let's get to last call here. Last night in Arizona, a 12-year-old fan held up a sign asking Joey Votto if he'd make a TikTok with her. Votto saw it and agreed, and before the game, they made this featuring the gritty. <laughs> Sam. That's, so- <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so here's the thing. Votto's pretty new to like TikTok and, and social media in, in some respect. Is he the best content creator in all of Major League Baseball? I, I don't know other content creators in Major League Baseball, but he knew he was going to be good before he started. Like He yeah. said, I'm going to blow this up, pretty good and he is. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. My question is, that was during the game? That was before the game. Okay. All right. It is baseball, though. So That's like, true. That is true. Yeah, you could be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, playing yeah. Game Super Boy Nintendo, yeah. Sega Genesis. <laughs> yeah, we're going old school. <laughs> I was dead broke, man. I couldn't picture this. Yeah, I, I, I do think that this was pre Actually, I know it was pre-game. So. Is that the song they were dancing to? No, no, it wasn't. It's newer than the that. The people are saying it's a pretty clean, gritty. Oh, yeah? Auto. Yeah, pretty impressive. Uh, he is just an impressive social media man. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know the gritty all that much. I know what it is. I know that every kid on my son's yeah. baseball team right. does the gritty when they score a run, but I have no idea really what it is. You know me, I could practice for, for weeks. Not going to happen. You do the gritty? No, nah, maybe one day. <laughs> not now. Uh, so wait, they score a run and then they do the gritty? Yeah, they'll do like someone like hits a big, yeah, yeah. big shot. They'll do this. I think um, it's a different... Uh, we would have got beaten back in our day for right. doing stuff like right. that. Not anymore. No. Respect the game. <laughs> a YouTuber named uh, Dawson Gurley has been banned from Chase Center in San Francisco after he impersonated Clay Thompson and gained access to the Warriors court to shoot around for 10 minutes. Now, uh, fake Clay Clay received this letter on my computer from the Warriors with the news, and he posted the evidence on Twitter last night. Matt, uh, given the ban he's received, do you think the prank was worth it? Because the trade-off is he took part in warm-ups with the Warriors, but he can't go to any more games. So was it worth it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like I've seen memory. this guy before. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, let me tell a quick story. Yeah. Yeah. I met a guy that was like, he was like 6'4", six, six, I'm 6'9", six, he was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, with red hair, little beard. And he's like, hey, everyone always says I look just like you. I, I even take pictures with people and they think I'm you. <laughs> And he's like, by the way, 
He named some bar in Key West. Right. It's like, if you ever go to, you know, the Parrot Bar in Key West, <laughs> stay away. <laughs> I got thrown out of there, and they thought I was you. I'm like, oh, what the heck? I'm like, did you tell him it wasn't me? He's like, no, I didn't have time. So this is some bar in, like, Key West that thinks I'm a jerk and got thrown out. <laughs> they banned Matt Bonner. Yeah, you gotta find Pictures up on the wall. I'm like, well, why would you tell me that story? <laughs> I feel Just like saving gotta, you. Yeah. I'm walking in there, yeah. I walk in, yeah, I immediately get tackled, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> what happened to you? Oh, it is the Peacock place. <laughs> Damn it! Went into the wrong spot. That's Any more, so or are we done no, on this? We're good, we're good. I, I, think the, I think the Clay thing is hilarious. Hilarious. And he went just a little bit too far, but did get shots up in warm-up in the NBA Finals. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a legendary story, <laughs> yes. for sure. Yes. Did you uh, spend a lot of your adult life looking like another human being that's probably more uh, making more money than you? Yes, but I got shots up at the NBA Finals in warm-up. And you still right. look like them, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, that does it for us. Matt, thanks for sticking around. I thanks appreciate it. This was me. fun. Jesse Rubinoff, as always, thank you. A reminder, Jason Orioles about to get going over on Sportsnet. Raising Yankees available on Sportsnet now in that AL East. WWE NXT coming up 8 Eastern on Sportsnet 360. Angels and Dodgers later. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.